Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as personalized recommendations or fiduciary advice. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for any investment, accounting, legal, and or tax advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. As a reminder, all investments include the risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This is Brent Foster with your monthly Market Insights, March 2023. Today happens to be March 7th, and typically the first week of the of each month, I review last month's performance in the markets and kind of recap what was going on in the previous month. So the previous month is February of 2023 in U.S. markets. Stock prices stumbled in February owing to growing worries that the Fed would maintain its tight monetary posture in the face of continuing inflation. And I just want to pause right there. Uh, I was just watching a Bloomberg uh, interview where Jay Powell is testifying on Capitol Hill, and he's he is uh, remaining quite hawkish as far as uh, holding pat to uh, keeping interest rates up and actually raising rates, uh, which is should not be a surprise to uh, the economy or the markets or to politicians, although it's funny to watch politicians really not like that. Um, For the month, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 4.19%, whereas the S&P 500 index fell 2.61%. The NASDAQ composite was up nearly 11% in January, but dipped 1.11% in February. And here's a quote by Warren Buffett in the business world. Unfortunately, the rear view mirror is always clearer than the windshield. It's a little nugget for you. Um, Strong start stumbled. So the way the equity market started out in January uh, didn't quite bode well in February. So the month began the way January ended with stocks climbing higher on solid earnings reports and encouraging inflation data the markets enthusiastically greeted the fed's 25 basis point hike in interest rates relieved that the increase was in line with expectations spirits were further lifted by constructive comments made by fed chair jerome powell following the rate hike announcement the optimism did not last long however stocks struggled as the direction of future monetary policy weighed on investors throughout the month Uncertainty with interest rates, despite an initial upbeat assessment by Powell at the post-meeting press conference, a strong employment report fanned fears that the Fed would be unable to pause rate hikes anytime soon. By mid-month, a higher-than-expected increase in consumer prices, strong retail sales numbers, and a rise in producer prices made it clear that the Fed would need to remain vigilant. Stocks slid um, and and that slide continued. So the slide in stock prices continued into the end of the month, dragged down by further rate hike concerns and disappointing guidance from two major retailers that called into question consumer health. Stocks felt even more pressure after January's personal consumption expenditures or PCE price index. 
The Fed's preferred benchmark for gauging inflation reflected hotter-than-expected price increases and vigorous consumer spending. Sector scorecard. One silver lining regarding the difficult month was that the technology sector, one of the worst performing groups in 2022, notched a slight gain of 0.41%. The remaining sectors retreated, however, including industrials, was down 0.86%. Communication services down 2.87%. Consumer discretionary was down 2.13%. Consumer staples down 2.32%. Energy down 6.94%. Financials down 2.22%. Healthcare down 4.64%. Materials 3.33%. Real estate was down 5.86%. And utilities down 5.92%. So the U.S. market recap for February 2023 um, was uh, the S&P was down 2.61% uh, for the year. That's up 3.40%. The NASDAQ was down 1.11% in February and for the year was up is, is up 9.45%. The Russell 1000 uh, was down 2.55% for the month, up 3.89% for the year. The 10-year treasury note was up to 3.92%, and that's up 0.04% for the year. What investors may be talking about in March? The FOMC meetings, they're scheduled to meet on March 21st through the 22nd, and the Fed at its previous meeting indicated that it intends to raise short-term interest rates by another 25 basis points or 0.25%. However, the Fed will now digest fresh data or information on the labor market and inflation that may impact its upcoming rate decision. So obviously, Fed Chair Powell's in focus. Investors will be keenly parsing the FOMC meeting announcement accompanying the FOMC's decision while also paying Close attention to comments by Fed Chair Powell, who will hold a press conference immediately following the meeting announcement. In the Fed's previous meeting, Powell acknowledged that a disinflationary trend has emerged, but he also cautioned that the Fed would evaluate the labor market and new inflation data for further guidance. As such, it may be more Powell's comments rather than the expected rate hike that move markets and set the tone for the weeks to follow. So, in world markets, let's go across the seas uh, either way. <laughs> the prospect of higher rate hikes in Europe and questions about the pace of China's reopening sent stocks or overseas stocks lower in February with the MSCI EFA index slipping 2.07%. European markets were higher with Spain, Italy, and France leading the way. <clears throat> Germany picked up 1.57% and the UK or United Kingdom tacked on 1.35%. Pacific Rim markets trended lower with China's Hang Seng index dropping 9.41% and Australia's ASX 200 falling 2.92%. <clears throat> the world market recap for February 2023, you've got emerging markets, uh, which is Hang Seng was down 9.41% for February and for the year is up 0.02%. Korea's index, uh, KOSPI, was down half a percent for February and up 7.89% for the year. The Nikkei in Japan was up 0.43% uh, for February for the year, up 5.18%. Uh, Sensex India down about a percent in February and down 3% on the year. Uh, Egypt's uh, EGX 30 was up 3.38% for February, up 
or four six percent for the year. Uh, Bovespa in Brazil down seven point five seven percent in February for the year. That's down four point six three percent. IPC all share Mexico. Uh, index down 3.31% for February, up 8.86% for the year. The ASX 200 in Australia was down 2.92% for February, up 3.12% for the year. In Europe, we've got the DAX, uh, France and Spain, UK and Italy. I'll run through those real quick. The DAX are in Germany in February was up 1.57%, up 10.35% for the year. The CIC 40, which is in France, uh, was up 2.62% for February, up 12.27% for the year. IBEX 35, which is in Spain, uh, up in February 3.99%, up year to date uh, 14.16%. The FTSE 100 uh, in the United Kingdom was up 1.35% in February, up 5.7% for the year. And the IT 40 or the Italy's uh, index uh, up 3.46% in February, up 15.91% for the year. Uh, let's see, indicators, gross domestic product. Let's take a look at these indicators. Starting with GDP, economic growth in the fourth quarter was revised lower to 2.7% from its initial estimate of 2.9%. The downward revision was primarily attributable to lower consumer spending than originally estimated. And so GDP in the US was revised lower to 2.7% from the estimate of 2.9. They kind of, the economists are seeing some slowdown. Uh, Employment uh, in the US, new hires in January surged by 517,000, sending the unemployment rate to a 53 year low at 3.4%. Despite the robust job gains, wage growth remained below inflation, rising 4.4% from the previous January. The labor force participation rate slightly rose to 62.4%. Retail sales indicator consumer spending rebounded in January, climbing 3%. Retail sales exceeded estimates, coming off of two consecutive months of declines. Industrial production indicator uh, was unchanged in January, dragged down by a drop off in utilities output owing to an unseasonably warm January. Manufacturing and mining increased production after two months of decline, rising 1% and 2% respectively. Housing indicator, housing starts dropped by 4.5% with single family home starts declining 4.3%. Year over year housing starts tumbled 21.4%. Sales of existing homes lost 0.7% from a month ago, falling to the lowest level in more than 12 years. Year-over-year sales declines or declined by 36.9%. New home sales rose 7.2%, the highest rate in nearly a year. The unexpected increase was a result of a surge in sales in the South, with all other regions experiencing declining sales. Hmm. Maybe a migration pattern going on there. People leaving the major cities of the north and finding other places down south to buy that's much, much warmer. Uh, The consumer price index indicator. uh, Consumer prices firmed in January, rising 0.5%. The gain was an increase from the prior month and higher than consensus estimates. However, the year-over-year increase of 6.4% came in below the prior month's 12-month rise of 6.5% the seventh consecutive month of year-over-year declines. 
Core inflation, which excludes energy and food, was 0.4%, whereas the year-over-year increase was 6.4%, a tick lower than December 6.5% year-over-year read. Durable goods orders, uh, that indicator. Durable goods orders declined 4.5%, largely owing to a comparison anomaly in which a historically large order for aircraft was booked in December, leading to a month-over-month drop. Excluding transportation, orders were up 0.7%. And the Fed. The minutes from the last meeting of the FOMC indicated that nearly all the members favored the decision to raise rates by a quarter percentage point. However, some Fed governors indicated that they were inclined to vote for or would have also voted for a 50% or 0.50% hike, 50 basis point hike, to more quickly achieve the Fed's target range for short-term interest rates. The minutes also suggested that the committee may hike rates by a quarter percent point at its next meeting, which is scheduled for March 21st through 22nd. By the numbers, this is uh, the beginning of Women's History Month. And I just want to thank all the women out there. Great job. Keep going. So in 1987, that was the year Congress formally established Women's History Month. Hence why I'm talking about it now. Uh, Let's see. February 28th, 1909 was the original establishment of International Women's Day. March 8th uh, is the current celebration of International Women's Day. 164.8 million are the number of women in the United States. And let's see, August 18th, 1920 was the ratification of the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. Two to one, that's the ratio of women to men ages 85 and older. So the guys just don't live as long. $10 trillion is the current amount of wealth women control. $30 trillion is the projected amount of wealth expected to be controlled by women in 2032. 67%, that's the percentage of women investing outside of retirement. 53%, that's the percentage of women currently investing in ESG funds. And 86% is the percentage of women less stressed by outsourcing their investments to a professional. That being said, if you are a woman and you would like to work with me, a man, (laughs) we'd be happy to work with with you on your financial goals and objectives and uh, answer any questions you have about investing and finance and uh, build a strategy that's uniquely suited for you. So reach out to us at Northbound Wealth Management, 317-399-1107. And uh, on to the next segment, which should be brief given that we've uh, covered uh, last month and year-to-date numbers already. So stay tuned. Real quick, I want to go over inflation and the real rate of return. The real rate of return is an important personal financial concept to understand. It's the rate of return on your investments after inflation. The real rate of return indicates whether you are gaining or losing purchasing power with your money. So if inflation checks in at 6%, does that mean any investment with less than a 6% rate of return is losing purchasing power? That's where it gets a little complicated. In theory, any investment with less than a 6% rate of return may lose purchasing power, but there are other factors you wanna consider as well. For example, are inflation rates 
likely to continue their current trend or are there transitory effects of broader market changes? In the end, the real rate of return is only one factor to consider when building a portfolio. Your time horizon, risk tolerance, and goals are the primary drivers. A financial professional can help you better understand the market conditions and build an investment strategy that manages the potential loss of the purchasing power of your money. If you have any questions about this subject and how your money can work harder for you, please reach out to Northbound Wealth Management. My name is Brent Foster, founder and CEO. Give us a call at 317-399-1107. I look forward to talking with you. Uh, Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye.